Well, parents, uh, have you checked the top 10 Christmas gift list for 2011? Are you familiar with it? I mean, would you be able to tell me what is on the top 10 list? Well, of course you're familiar because your children have been giving you subtle and maybe just occasional reminders of, of what is on that list, or at least what is on their list. But in case you're misinformed, I, uh, I thought I would provide you with the list. This is at least the list for elementary uh, age children. Uh, and it may not be that much different from others. Uh, but it is, uh, I think, in order of importance here, the LeapFrog Leap Pad Explorer System, Justin Bieber Tour Bus and Concert Stage. Uh, that's what I'm asking for. Um, I have Bieber fever. Uh, my Keep On Interactive Robot, the Lego Ninja Go Fire Temple, gotta have it. Crayola Model Magic Jewelry Boutique, the Hot Wheels Video Racer Micro Camera Car, all these have really long names. Uncle Milton Ant Farm Revolution. <laughs> gotta wonder about Uncle Milton. Master Kit's Starry Night Vincent Van Gogh Kit, it comes with the ear. Unattached. <laughs> I'll be here tonight as well. And the Spin Master Radeke, is that how you say it? Uh, animation unit. Uh, that is probably uh, at the bottom of the list. But wow, I mean, these are great gifts, aren't they? But have you noticed what is missing from this list? Now, since you're in church and you're a good Christian, you are thinking, getting ready to say, the Bible. I mean, the Bible isn't in the top ten list. But what's really missing from this list would be clothes. Apparently, no children want clothes for Christmas because they definitely have not made that top ten list. Well, what all children need to know, though, is that that's where all the joy is. It's in the clothes. That's at least what the prophet Isaiah told uh, Israel long ago. In fact, he told God's children 450 years before Christ was even born about the joy that could be found in clothes. And all of this is found uh, there in Isaiah 61. We have looked at Isaiah quite a bit. We've heard these ancient words that have uh, come through the years to us as they have entered into our ears and hopefully have entered into our souls. We have considered what those words mean for us today. They certainly had a historical context, and we need to understand what that context was. But God knows we have a context today. And I think what we find is that it's very similar. He says in salvation, He is talking about these garments. He, he rejoiced because He has clothed me with garments of salvation. Isaiah is talking about clothes here. And salvation from what, though, I guess is the question. As we remembered from last week, they had been exiled to Babylon. Uh, they had been conquered as a people. They were taken away and spent uh, 50 years in exile as they are away from their home. And they are uh, far from home for so many years and, and its comforts and the familiar smells and, and the, the neighborhood that they grew up in and, and just all the things that re reminded them of comfort. All those things were gone and they were now living and the devastation uh, that they had experienced in Babylon, but also when they got back to Jerusalem, there was devastation there. On their way home, I'm sure they were thinking, this is going to be great. 
We get to go back and, and enjoy life as it was. But it wasn't that way any longer. It was completely devastated. And their lives were a wreck as well. Isaiah was called to deliver a message of good news to them. And if you look in your Bible at Isaiah 61, you can look and just highlight all the different aspects of the good news that are there. It was good news for the oppressed. Uh, it was also to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and a day of vengeance for God's enemies. This was to be a day to provide comfort for those who mourned. Do you remember what Jesus said as He began His ministry, His very first sermon? Luke describes this for us in chapter 4. As Jesus gets up, He takes the Isaiah scroll and He begins to read from it. And it is the same passage. Jesus not only reads it, but He says, Today, this prophecy has been fulfilled right here in your presence. And so Jesus understood His place in the midst of all of that. And as we hear these words, uh, they matter to us as well. All of these things really add up to be different uh, garments that we can wear. And they're all referred to as garments by Isaiah. Uh, this was how he saw God's anointed one who was coming to take care of them. He would dress them in brand new clothes for the new life ahead of them. He was donning them in apparels of joy. In the threads of the dirty clothes of their captivity, they could know that God was with them. As we sang earlier, Emmanuel, God is with us. And that is the name that this child would bear. But they could know that God was clothing them with clothes of salvation. And it was in these clothes that they could find uh, real joy. Even in the midst of the, just the terrible circumstances of their lives, they could find real joy that was surrounding them. Now, if you fast forward 400 or 50 uh, and maybe 430, 420 years from them into the future, you get to the time that Mary and Joseph were living. And uh, they as a people are back in the land flowing with milk and honey. Uh, yet, they weren't finding any of this flow into their lives. They once again are in captivity to a foreign government. They are finding captivity in terms of uh, economic situations around them. Uh, as far as collaboration, as the temple began to collaborate with the Roman government. And they saw that their religion was being watered down and that decisions were being made that they didn't approve of. And uh, all kinds of terrible things were going on. And so it was so much like Babylon as they were having to give service to a different king, to Caesar. The property of the common people was confiscated by the wealthy and their religion was continually compromised. And this is what John the Baptist speaks out against as he goes out into the desert. And this is the setting of the gospel text from Luke that we heard earlier as uh, it was read and as we stood for it. It is the world that Mary knows. It, it is the world that is deep in her heart. And we call this passage of Scripture the Magnificat. It is Mary's song and it is so beautifully sung in churches during this time of year. But she is excited. She is also shaken, as you can imagine. The, the discovery of the inbreaking of God within her body leads to her joyful recognition of the outbreaking of God out to the people who are around her, even to those in her own family, as they are in the midst of sorrow. It was a, a glee-like musical moment. And it's still kind of weird. It, it, it's funny to uh, 
to see Jack's reaction, or at least uh, uh, one time we were sitting down, Glee came on, and you know, there's just some normal goings on there in the, in the hallways of the school, and then someone breaks out in song, and it just kind of seems odd, doesn't it? That's really not the way we live our lives. I mean, maybe Dan, he breaks out in song, you know, at, at all different times, but, but most of us, we don't live that way. We would express ourselves in maybe some other way, giving some point of exclamation, but she breaks out in song. And it is something that is so real inside of her. It breaks through the normalcy of a regular day. As she meditated on what the angel told her, she just couldn't keep it inside any longer. It truly represented what Isaiah had described with his description of rejoicing. And if you look at the scripture there in that verse 10, he says, My whole being shall exult in my God. I mean, Isaiah must have had a Pentecostal moment as he probably was uh, finding that his body was doing all kinds of different things, different gyrations and jumping up and down. He says, my whole being exults in God over this good news. And so how did she find joy in her awful circumstances? Her, her words provide the answer. Hear these again. He has shown me strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has brought down the powerful. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent the rich away empty. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy. It was not that she saw all of these things happening at once. She is still with child. But she has heard the words of God through the angel. And her joy was in how God's work was within her, but it was also in the present as she came to understand what God was going to do in her in the future. She saw a whole new wardrobe for God's people, and her son would start it all with his robe of righteousness. And that's a great phrase, that robe of righteousness, and it's something that we all get as well. Pastor and, and author, and just a very funny guy, uh, Brett Younger, he wrote of this kind of present-future joy in an Advent uh, meditation I saw this past week. He says, let me tell you a story. A divorced mother wakes her teenager for school, and he immediately starts complaining about everything. I know that, that's you know, got to be hard to imagine, a teenager complaining. But she, uh, he's try she's trying to do everything for him, and he just complains. And she's worried that he doesn't love her anymore. She doesn't know what to do about it. Her job is terrible. She's working more hours and not getting anything at all done. She feels older than she wants to feel. She's worried about her mother, and her mom can still care for herself, but in about five years, they'll have to make some hard decisions. On the way home from work, the woman flips on the radio. The first station is playing Winter Wonderland. That's way too cheerful, she thinks. The second station is playing the dogs barking Jingle Bells, which, by the way, is one of my favorite songs. She turns off the radio. She used to love December. It was her favorite time of the year. Advent was magical, but this year she just feels tired. On Sunday she goes to church, though she isn't sure that she wants to, but then she begins to sing. The hymns aren't about a holly jolly Christmas. They're about joy that comes in the midst of sorrows and poor shepherds out on a cold night. The choir sings about a child born into poverty and a glory that's beyond all the grief we'll ever face. 
this tired and broken woman slowly begins to understand that Christmas isn't about happiness, but about joy that's deeper than all of our troubles. That's the kind of joy that Isaiah couldn't keep quiet. That's the kind of joy that got down into his body and into his being and into the depths of his soul and he begins to demonstrate. It's the kind of joy that made Mary sing. And it's the same joy that will help us understand that Advent and Christmas are not about our happiness. And we are bombarded with commercials and all kinds of information that tell us that we have to get this or do this or become this to be happy. But it's about joy. One that comes from God's outfit for us. Well, how do we find this joy in a day of economic woes, of bill juggling, of consumer debt, scandals? Seems like there's a new scandal that, that comes out every day, whether it's uh, involving the political world or involving the football world. All these things remind us of bad news. There are medical challenges. There are relationship problems. Where is the joy, you wonder, as you float through the season? Well, it's in the outfit. Take a moment this morning and see what God has picked out for you to wear. You can find quite a few items here in this particular scripture that are garments. The uh, first one that I saw is one that seems a bit odd for us as Westerners. And, and it just doesn't relate to our times. But it is the garland. As Isaiah said, God was giving them a garland instead of ashes. And you might be thinking, well, I don't want ashes and I certainly don't want a garland. What is he talking about? The uh, New International Version translates this as a crown of beauty which may be the absolute best description of it. Garlands were used for many things uh, back then, but primarily as awards that were given. A runner at the end of a foot race or an Olympic event later in Greek society would receive a garland placed on, uh, on his head for running as a prize. And in fact, as the runner would make his way toward the end of the race, he would see someone holding that garland that was there. But this was for them while still wearing the ashes of loss on their foreheads. They were so depressed. They were so beaten down. They were so devastated. They had marked themselves with the ashes of their sorrows. But the good news for them, and certainly the good news for us today, is that we are wearing a crown of beauty as well. Whatever your ashes are today, a broken relationship, a missed dream, the loss of a loved one, the challenges of your finances... God seeks to adorn you with comfort and encouragement. And this crown is a reminder to us that God is the God of reversal. The Isaiah passage and Mary's song, they're all about reversals. Rebuilding something beautiful out of utter devastation. Bringing good from the bad. Redeeming that which was lost. But there's another garment that you and I have, and uh, this is through Jesus. It is this robe of righteousness. And this was God's way of comforting Israel to know that they would see justice for unjust economic, political, and religious practices that were done against them. Uh, they would no longer be seen wearing the clothes of slavery and domination, but they would stand out in the world with their new outerwear, this wonderful robe that God had given them and would give them in the future more fully. How true for us, as we are on this side 
of the cross of Calvary. Because of the amazing love of God shown to us through the life and through the death and the resurrection of Jesus, we are now wearing the robe of righteousness. But it has nothing to do with what we've done because the clothes underneath are still stained and they're still dirty and they are reminders of where we've been. But our robe, our robe is from God out of His abundant grace and His eternal love. The question for you this morning is, have you allowed God to put this robe on you? I don't think it says anywhere in Scripture that God forces the robe on anyone. It's always a choice. But God will dress you up in this robe if you allow Him. And if you have, have you seen that you're wearing it? I mean, Have you seen this robe wrapped around you today? We tend to just see the dirty clothes. We tend to just think about where we've been instead of where we are and where God is leading us to be. You have a robe and God has made it for you. But the final garment that I would note here by Isaiah is the mantle of praise. And this apparel was for a joyous occasion. Isaiah broke out in animated praise at the realization of the good news that he was proclaiming to the people. Again, he felt it in his whole being. This was Advent joy. Felt in the present, but fully and would be fully realized in days ahead for them as a nation. And this is the kind of joy that we must understand today as well. As we look at how God has dressed us up when we were down, and how we remembered, uh, and as we remember uh, how God has thought about us and kept us in His mind when we were forgotten by everyone else, when we look at how God has loved us, when we were unloved, as we feel how God has supported us when we were crumbling, when we experience how God has saved us when we were yet lost, then we can't help but break out with the same phrase that we heard earlier in the psalm as we began worship. As the psalmist says, Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then it was said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, the psalmist said. And we rejoiced. And so may it be with us as we enter into this third week of Advent. Thank you.